Excuse me, kind sir, but if you could point to the elevator that leads down to the freaky laboratory, I'd be out your atmosphere. Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Frida. I'm Abby, and this week's movie is They Cloned Tyrone, which I'm very excited to talk about. But Frida, you just said you have news for me. So what's the news? What happened? What did you do to your hands? I had my first bike crash. No. Bike accident. Yeah. My, my hands... Um, are a bit uh, bereft of skin. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> but I will report that Lululemon leggings really are amazing. <laughs> but I wouldn't, I like, they are about seven years old and they kept complete integrity because I, I slammed down, like, on the side of my body. That was a painful <gasps> experience. It was like, uh, oh, it hurt. Yeah. But there's no tearing of any fabric. Um, and so I was saved a lot of scrapage. Uh, nice. I just iced everything. I had a bit of whiplash, so that, that was a bit harder to get rid of. But my hands were in North Face gloves that were, were like fleecy cotton sort of lycra. Mm. And they ripped. Oh. Um, and so my hands were sad. Oh, no. Um, but I'm good now. But I, my first thought when I fell was like, okay, that's what a bike fall feels like. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, can, I can handle yeah. a few more of those. Like, I'm all right. I okay. just, now I know. My, yeah. my first one is a similar one as well, where like I went, whatever way I went, I went to my side, but also my hands went out. So yeah, the hands scraped. And I remember um, it happened the day before I had an exam and the way I fell was on my right hand. And I was like, just mm. like I was walking home, like crying with how much my right hand was cut up because I was like, I have to write an exam tomorrow. I know. <laughs> I was so upset. I know. My hands, they, they hurt so much. I had, because I had to, you know, have to, I had to ride home. Yeah. Just the wincing, but oh, people God. stopped. But it also, it's like, cause because of the way my wheel got caught on the left side, I fell on the right. Yeah. Man, why is it my injury? Because that's my injury side. That's like my right side is always my injury side. <laughs> I've been working so hard in physio. I'm like, no. <laughs> Anyways, all good. Yeah. I feel like cool though. I do feel cool. Because at our age, when people hurt themselves, the answers are always really lame. Like, oh, I was balancing on a thing to yeah. show off or... <laughs> I stood up or... I was just walking down the street being an adult. <laughs> I was walking. With my old body. Cool. <laughs> exactly. So that's my yeah. news. Yay. Um, what, what about you? I don't really have news. I am just, like I said, I'm just... I, I'm getting down to the wire with a deadline at the moment. And because it's getting so close to the deadline, I'm just at that phase where it's like every single day I want to vomit because I still don't have my data. I still don't have my data. It's still not working. My code's not working. I don't have my data. Why won't my code work? Where is my data? <laughs> I'm just like, I just feel like I'm banging my head against the wall. And you know as well, when it's, when it's code stuff too, like you can sit there and spend six hours straight 
And you just get to a point where you're just bleary eyed because you're like, I've tried so much stuff. I have no concept anymore of what I've tried, what I'm still trying. What am I actually trying to do? What was the problem six hours ago? I don't remember. And it, it also, it's like just the one thing. So you can just be like, I've just spent six hours and I have nothing to show for it. And the frustration that you feel from having to go through that is just traumatic. And mm-hmm. uh, so I had a bit of a breakdown last week and then I had a moment where I just kind of stopped and I think I just kind of, like, I can't remember what, I think it was Thursday night. Thursday night I had a really, like, I, I just sobbed, cried for a while about how stressed I was. But then I, yeah, but then I kind of went, like, do you know what? Look, it's like this. I know I'm doing a PhD. I know academia is stressful and everything. But it's like, I can only do so much as what I can do in one day. So at the end of the day, all I have to do is just get up in the morning, do what I can tomorrow. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't fucking work. There's like, I can't make it go faster than it's going. I can't make my brain come up with other ideas or understand it. Or like, it's just, you know, it's like you just just do what you can every day and eventually you'll push through. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just a bit of a, yeah. It's just one of those moments where you're just like, fuck's sake, can we just get to the end of this already? Yeah. Just want to be on the other side. But you know. Why is it a deadline? What's the paper? What's the, why is uh, it Because it's for a special, uh, it's, it's for a submission oh. for a special issue for, yeah. so because of that. So normally, yeah. So for, for people who don't like normally, if you're going to submit to a paper, you don't have a deadline for when you submit by. You have like when you would like to get it in by. But for a special mm-hmm. issue, you, there's a hard deadline for when it has to be in. So yeah, it's just a bit, just a bit annoying is all. But you know, look, we'll mm. see. We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Either way, in the next few weeks, it'll be over. So <laughs> well, it'll either work. I or had I had an experience. I had that conference and it went pretty well. Um, I was very nervous, big, but but um, I, ha- I had this moment where I was in this other talk. It was like the other deep learning talk at the conference. It wasn't a lot, and the guy that was giving the talk, I'm trying to catch as a PhD student. Like I'm right. trying to. And uh, it's going pretty well. I'm reeling him in. But I went to his talk and he was happy that I was at his talk. I was like someone he was like looking up to, you know, (laughs) deep loading lady. But of course, like they had this whole hoity toity Q&A between all the like fancy guys Mm. about a topic. And they were like, I wonder if such a thing would be possible. And in my mind, I'm like, not only do I know it's possible, but I can cite the paper. That yeah. <laughs> but of course, like, nobody's got ever, like, acknowledged that I exist. Mm. So they were all having this discussion where they were like, I wonder if this can be done. Wouldn't that be interesting? And I'm sitting there with my hand up just, like, so tight that I was, like, resting on my elbow. Yeah. By the way, I realized that a lot of my stance when I'm talking, people are like, you look so relaxed, you look so cool. And I'm like, I think it's – I'm tired. I yeah, think I'm just so tired. <laughs> tired you're leaning on something (laughs) i know so my i'm like leaning on my elbow with my hand up for so long and they bring the microphone over and they were like just one more question over here and i went it's more of a comment yes it can be done it was done here it was like the 2018 and this is how they did it and I gave the microphone back Ah, and then i went to like a group of people after and they were like Yes, it can be done. <laughs> they, were like, they were like, queen of the moment. Yes, it can be done. <laughs> yes, it can. I love it. Beautiful. <laughs> it was cool. Um, yeah. All right, let's get into this movie then. So Good, let's we're go. talking about They Clone Tyrone, which only came out recently enough on Netflix. So I'm super excited to talk about it. 
Um, here's my movie summary, Frida. A pimp, a prostitute, and a drug dealer walk into a lab. It's Nancy Drew for adults. Slick Charles is in for a serious shock when his very dead drug dealer, Fontaine, turns up on his doorstep looking for his money. Unable to convince Fontaine that there's some freaky-deaky shit going down, he pulls in one of his working girls, Yo-Yo, to fill in the blanks. When she tells them about a car she saw pulling away from the shooting, the gang gets in the mystery machine and heads out for some answers. When the... What they don't expect to find is an elevator that leads down to a secret underground lab. They also don't expect to find a white guy with an afro and a dead Fontaine. Yo-Yo gets her Nancy Drew on and the Scooby-Doo gang soon realize that the whole town is being drugged. It's in the chicken, it's in the permacare, it's even in the Kool-Aid at church. Once they find the other entrance to the underside, they also find the testing suites and the clone room. There's not just two Fontaines, there's a buttload of Fontaines and a few more slicks to boot. It turns out that the Glen is one big experiment run by a government trying to create unity and to save future for all. So long as you're white, that is. The Glen is not interested in any Bill Nye the Science Guy shit, so it's time to free the community, Cabin in the Woods style. When Fontaine comes face to face with the scientist in charge, we learn where the clones came from. Faced with annihilation, OG Fontaine chooses assimilation. But he wasn't counting on Olympia Black. The only question left, who the fuck is Tyrone? That. <laughs> Save it to the end. <laughs> Love it. All right, so Frida, what did you think of the movie? So fun. I thought it was very fun, very Netflix, and it's like a minimal sort of set budget thing. You know, you know what I mean? Mm. Where there's like no one in any shots. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> we've, we've discussed this before. There's Netflix films where there's like no one anywhere because they're, they're kind of keeping it low budget. They're shooting pretty quickly. But uh, it, was, it was so fun. And uh, um, yeah, what about you? Did you like I, it? Oh, my God. I love this movie. Yeah. Uh, the first time I saw it, I was like this. I was just dying. And then, like, going back to the, for a rewatch for the podcast, and it was just like the amount of stuff in this movie. Like, it's so hard to actually keep track of everything that goes on or everything that's referenced and stuff. So it's like watching it again. I was like, oh my god, there's just so much. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's such a fun movie. Do you know what kind of bums me out about it, right? It reminds me a little bit in terms of um, uh, trying to word this in the, in the right way. But you know when we talked about See You Yesterday? Like, not many people know about that movie. It came out in 2019. To me, it's one of the best time travel movies that there is. It's such a good yeah. movie. And it just doesn't get talked about. And I kind of saw, when I saw this one, I was like, I just feel like the same thing is going to happen because we know historically it happens with black movies because they just don't get the attention or the promotion that they should get. But mm -hmm. this coming out in the middle of the SAG-AFTRA strikes just really bums me out because it's like, oh, like none of the people that are, would, like they can't do any promotion for it. They can't, none of the content creators that I follow online who talk about these kinds of, kinds of movies are able to talk about it. And you're just like, come on. It's so we disappointing. Can. We can, we can because we're a podcast, we we're scientists. So we're not under yeah. SAG after rules, but it just, yeah. I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. I just wish that it, I just wish 
there could be all this hype going on around this movie right now because I just feel mm. like in terms of sci-fi it really deserves it. Yeah, I love the black exploitation slash sci-fi thing. I love black exploitation, yeah. the feel of black exploitation films because oh man, everyone's just so fucking cool and the and the mm. music and the feel and this like it's just it's so endlessly watchable and I love that they combine it with sci-fi. It's so contemporary. So yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, actually, so I was just looking at it because it's directed by this guy called Jewel Taylor. And this is his first film as a director. And I think this is a freaking this is a damn good first movie. And it mm. was also co-written by him and this guy called Tony Rettenmayer. Now, uh, Jewel Taylor has said in interviews that he wanted to do a bootleg Scooby-Doo where the detectives are inadequate, but somehow uniquely equipped. And I really like that. And um, they had this joke, and that's why I said it at the start of the summary. So him and Tony had, Rettenmeyer had this joke, um, a pimp and a prostitute and a drug dealer walk into a bar. What if we made them the heroes? <laughs> it's just like, I just think it's just so fun. The way that you get, they gave us like these stereotypical characters, but then give us an entirely different story and, and what's happening with these stereotypical characters. And I just think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the ragtag sort of... I love movies where they have, like, ragtag mm. kind of a uh, bunch of people and they were so funny. Scooby-Doo, yeah, because it's kind of the caricature because each character kind of has a distinct yeah. caricature element to them. I was That's trying to... silly. I did try to find out because, like, I, it was just interesting to me when I first watched it. I was trying to find out if there was some sort of significance to, like, the lighting style or the choices with the music. Just in the way, because mm. there's like a lot of purple lighting used, a lot of kind of fog mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, and I couldn't find anything, but I did find a reference where Jewel Taylor just says that he tries to follow mood and tone in terms of when he's writing something. So instead of uh, having specific significance for that stuff, he just wanted to recapture a feeling that incorporated 80s R&B funk. Um, mm. Sorry, 80s R&B and funk mixed with uh, movies like Boogie Nights, Jackie Brown and The Big Lebowski. And um, yeah. to me, it's definitely 80s sci-fi <laughs> vibes in the whole lightning, lighting and music and stuff. And I, I think it's just I think it's top science fiction. I love it. Mm. I love the, the scene where he gets shot the first time and there's all the pink neon and the smoke. Mm. I think pink neon is very modern. Neon is very modern at the moment, especially colors like that pink. It just looked really, really cool. Yeah. Like you see like contemporary museums these days with pink neon lighting like that. It's yeah. just very, very cool. It looked cool. And also it's like not, um, you know, maybe it's like a bit cheaper too. Like yeah. I appreciate style style choices that, are, that basically come from thriftiness. Yeah. And maybe lighting like that smoke machines, pink neon lights is like a bit of a, maybe it's a bit cheaper. It'd be interesting yeah. to find out actually. It, it'd be interesting, especially as like a first time director, how you kind of make decisions like that and set things up yeah. in a way that, that saves a bit of money. So interesting. Uh, before we I've got a couple of things like we can talk about just a few things and some best bits and stuff like that in a minute but uh, before we get into the cast is there anything else you want to say just about the general feel of the movie yeah okay so cast wise we have John Boyega as Fontaine Jamie Foxx oh as... actually there is oh so, okay. actually there is there is something I do have something to say about the general movie remember when we watched District 9 yeah and we're like, it's good. But then I had this whole thing that I was like, you know, if you want to make a movie about black people, make a movie about black people. 
don't use like gross aliens as an analogy for black people yes. because if you think about it for a bit it's kind of gross so i'm like well here it is here's a movie that is just about black people with black people yeah starring in it telling the story with like self-determination i was like yeah here it is it's actual people this is happening to people not gross aliens and i appreciated yeah. that, that that it was it was like about the black community where you got to see the good parts the bad parts you know the story was being told through the lens of the black people here is not white people running around you know yeah. through their perspective and i just that i just appreciate it's so much better yeah because uh, it's so humanizing that that's interesting because it, it it comes into something that i want to say about the cast in a minute as well right because mm-hmm. so so cast wise as i said we've got john boyega's fontaine um oh. jamie fox's slick charles tiana paris's yo-yo and then just to note that we have Kiefer Sutherland as I put down generic angry white guy because I honestly couldn't tell what his character's name was supposed to be. <laughs> I don't think they ever said it. Um, and then I, I, there was three other people that I just picked out to highlight. Uh, Megan Sousa as Riri, uh, Jay Alphonse Nicholson as Isaac and Trace Malakai as Junebug. Junebug is such a fucking great name. <laughs> just love it, mm. Junebug. Um, so yeah, so in terms of... Um, we can talk about them individually in a minute, but just to follow on sort of from what you just said there, I was trying to think about what it was I liked about it so much, about the cast particularly, because I absolutely adore the cast. I think the in general casting this movie is fantastic. And I realised that it's because I never feel like any of them are acting. like, uh, And this is kind of something that we talked about a little bit with 2001 as well. Their performances are each perfectly in line with the characters that they're creating so that they just feel natural. And Mm -hmm. they play off each other so well as well that the dialogue just rolls beautifully. And Mm -hmm. I just think that we see so much in science fiction where like it's forced and it's all about over the top individual performances. They're trying to, you know, get something out of it that's more to do with the science fiction aspect or the big shot or the big, you know, you said it about like Kwaski and um, Gravity uh their oscar moments and all that kind of shit um but this just felt like an effortless collaboration and it's because they were generally telling a story about the characters it wasn't just about Mm -hmm. oh here's the science fiction premise it was about here's these people that we're so used to seeing in these stereotypical roles what happens when we give them different actions to do or or a different story to tell and i just just, that's what i loved Mm. about it yeah, because it's it's like they make this bigger point that somebody has to be the drug dealer. Somebody mm. has to be the pimp. Because that is the way these community and, and in the movie in the movie it's basically like there's an external force and there is I guess I say there is external force yeah. keeping things that way. Somebody has to do these things because it keeps the world turning. They're people. You know, and instead of applying the stereotype to someone who's a sex worker, she's a person. Somebody has to do it. Someone yeah. has to fill this role, and it's her. Um, and she's a full person. And this, it's so early on, some of the dialogue, which which makes it very clear. This is a person who's who's in a, playing a role in a community that needs that. Um, and they're people. And they're just sort of stuck there and I, yeah, yeah i love that i really love that it doesn't doesn't stick to stereotypes at all or judge them it's good yeah is there anything else you want to say about any of the the cast uh john boyega but but what's how do you pronounce what's his boyega, name again? Yeah. boyega boyega 
Oh my god, I love him. <laughs> he's so good. He's so good. He's the star of this whole thing because because the others are funny and silly, but he really yeah. he's so he really he really plays it seriously and all the scenes of the sad scenes. He's to, he's so good. I really like him. Yes. I, I felt From like Star that. Wars. I felt like that scene with um where he just wants to see his mom, where he's at the his door mom. and he's like, "Mom, can you just open the door?" I was I was die i was just like i was so sad for him and i like i know i don't want this to sound like i mean i know it's acting it's their job it's what they're supposed to do and everything like that but he's a really good american like he does american really well it's really surprising how good he is he's not american is he oh he's south london (laughs) he's he's full south london he's just amazing Uh, also the whole the whole complexity of like he's taking care of his mom. It's not even that complex. It's yeah. just how it is. Taking care of his mom. Yeah. Why else would you like? You wouldn't. You get stuck in certain roles and jobs, but mostly you need the yeah. money, and he's taking care of his mom. Yeah, like, it, it's a whole thing, and like so, we'll talk a little bit about. I've got there's a there's another point uh, that we'll come to in a moment when we come to themes, but um, in terms of. I just wanted to just quickly say sorry about that because I agree with you. I think John Boyega is amazing. And this is why I want this movie to have more attention because I feel like, you know, if you want, like when you actually look at these kinds of, when you look at the performances, it's like they just deserve more attention. And um, John Boyega, excellent, absolutely. But I've never really warmed to Jamie Foxx. He's just not someone that I ever really pay that much attention to. This role for him I just was, I was so enthralled by him. I was like, this is, this is so, he is doing this perfectly. And Tayana Paris as well. I honestly think that I would leave my partner for Yo-Yo. I'm obsessed with her. Like, I'm actually obsessed with her. Not only is she fucking stunning. She's just smart, intelligent, fun, brave. Like, she's just such an incredible character. And this is going to sound super weird, but both times I've watched it now, and I will figure this out somehow. You know the scene when they're in her bedroom, and she like Mm -hmm. she's gone out and she comes in, and she's wearing a yellow shawl? I need that fucking shawl. Uh I don't know how to get it, I don't know where to get it, but I need it. I am obsessed with it. I don't know why, but uh, I was like, it won't look as same, good on me, but I want it. Same thing with her is that she's sex worker, but like that that's her bedroom in her grandma's house. It's the same. It's the same kind of thing. These are just jobs. These yeah. are just jobs. But the jobs exactly, that somebody has to do. You know, learning more about like her, all her Nancy Drew books, all of her medals mm-hmm. and awards and stuff. And it's like, just because you end up doing something doesn't mean that like, you know, it just showed us like, look at all the, all the possibilities or all the potential that she had, but because of the way that society is structured that doesn't allow her to be able to actually take advantage of anything or, or like move forward. She gets stuck into mm-hmm. this this role that's kind of chosen for her, basically. Yeah. Um, okay, so anything more about the cast? No, that's it. Cool. I just wanted to list off, right, so... <laughs> Something that I love about this, and it's such a, it's just a goofy thing, but there's the level of pop culture references in this movie. (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. So I have a list. Okay, so this is a list of the things that they reference, that they refer to in some way, or that they like. They have a line, quote line from SpongeBob, Star Wars, A Christmas Carol, Rambo, X Files, Spider Man, Dexter's Lab. Yeah, that was the one I wrote down. Unbelievable. I I couldn't stop when she said it. Um, Scooby-Doo, Hollow Man, Foxy Brown, Nancy Drew, Clockwork Orange, Michael Jackson's Thriller, Sophie's Choice, Shalimar, and Bill Nye the Science Guy. (laughs) And I honestly feel every single line that they use, all of these references in, is perfectly placed. The Dexter's Lab one is so funny. The Sophie's Choice one, I was like, it's not Sophie's Choice, it's just a choice. I was like, I don't think that it's really a Sophie's Choice. But yeah, whatever. But it was, All it good. was, but wasn't it like, said this sarcastic? Is some Sophie's like, Choice shit. This is some Sophie's yeah. Choice shit. I, oh, was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I didn't. Was it? What was the choice? The only, I, I actually can't remember. <laughs> can't remember. Um, but the the Dexter's lab hit me right in the tits. <laughs> I was like, unbelievable. I was like, how many? I just, do you know, it's all its own. Dexter's laboratory. It's a totally. Boy. It's so derisive <laughs> as well to like, to call somebody's like lab, you know, yeah. the whole fancy lab to be like, Dex, your Dexter's lab shit. It's like, huh. <laughs> um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, which is not something that they reference, but it's something that I could not stop thinking of. As soon as they go down into the underground lab and it's all these white guys in white shirts, it's Cabin in the Woods. It's 100% yeah, Cabin bar, in the Woods. For sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> I was obsessed. As soon as they went down and the doors opened and I could see the people, like at that point I wasn't really sure where the story was going, but as soon as the doors opened, my brain just immediately went, they're all going to be white, they're all going to be white. <laughs> I was like, yep, all white guys everywhere. And you even caught a bit of conversation. This, this is a sort of a similar thing. There was a couple of characters that you saw them a couple of times and you just caught whatever their mundane conversation mm. was. It's the same thing in Cabin in Woods because it's like, yeah. just, this is their job, this is my office job. But yeah. it involves <laughs> Yeah, so good. So um what let's talk about some best bits then and things. Yeah. What what are what have you got on your list? The blockchain. That, yeah. that was so early in the movie, but her plan <laughs> to get into blockchain, she's like, I don't know about cryptocurrency, I don't know. But, but blockchain. blockchain is the thing. That was her big plan. It was so good. <laughs> I've got like two other lines that she has that just cracked me up and I don't know why, but it was like, I'll just go on my Mary Holwyn way. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I wrote the one. Yeah. Go on. Oh, go on. Here you go with your ninja pimp shit again. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote <laughs> I actually can't even remember the scene, but it's like, no, it's when they're down and she's like freaking out about what's going on in the um in the underground secret lab. And she's just like, I expected whatever. Not some sex dungeon mint chocolate chick boof. I fucked it up. She says, not some sex dungeon mint chocolate chip bukkake shit. It's just like, what the fuck? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> you don't want to know. I don't know. I have no idea what it means. Um, anyway, what's up? What's next? Sorry. Um, her elevator pose. Like I, oh, I was expecting it glorious. to be funny. I was expecting something, but I wasn't expecting how much it was funny when she does 
open with the elevator open and she puts this pose on oh, it got me she was so, so funny good. that whole elevator sequence and actually speaking of elevators there was another one where they in an elevator later in the movie and they start singing, singing. <laughs> her yeah like and then you get this sense that her and her pimp do this a lot just sing that was but but no they were they were freestyling as well they, they were improvising it, it was, was hilarious so funny. it was so funny i did i did write down that i just like all of yo-yo and slick charles fights were just hilarious of who and slick charles oh, oh, yeah. the, the, oh the, her and yeah their fights i know i know they were like a married couple um, the so speaking of your well, actually, just to say one thing about Slick Charles, like his entire language that he uses to describe things. At one point, when Tyrone is in, or Tyrone, Jesus, at one point when Fontaine is in the um, in the motel, going through his stuff, looking for uh, the money, and he's like, "You're coming in here, going through my haberdasheries." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dude, come on! What time period are you from? I'm obsessed. No, but that's that's so that dialogue. I feel like in black exploitation and like that that there is a lyrical nature to a lot of that kind of like black dialogue, mm. like very wordy. Like that, there's such a good wordiness and such a good like flow to like the general poetry of the dialogue back and forth that I really appreciate. Oh, I love it we're using certain words like that i really appreciate that. oh my absolute favorite line in the entire movie excuse me sir blah. excuse me kind sir but if you could point to the elevator that leads down to the freaky laboratory i'd be out your atmosphere <laughs> just yeah every time every time i have rewatched that scene just to watch that line because i just love it so much <laughs> Actually, watching this whole movie, I was watching it and I was like, oh, "Why people suck? Like this yes. is so good. Like, like I, I, I'm watching this and just watching the wisecracking and the the poetry and the attitude and the like, just the cadence of the conversation and the clothing, like the color of it. And I was like, "Man, this is this is amazing. Like uh, we like we're just devoid of any like when you think about and um." What what were we watching a movie where what movie did we watch recently where it was like oh my god I can't remember oh no 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 I watched this documentary this it was like a, it was like a, a Aboriginal people the ads that they were showing in the fifties about how like you know you can almost become white like you can be oh, yeah. this and you could be in this house and I'm looking at it, I'm like but this culture is terrible and it's it is awful it's like you and when you look back in hindsight you're like you're trying to like get people to become like this sort of white culture um from this which is like awful and 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 then I watch this movie and I'm like this is so good this is so colorful and exciting and interesting Um, and I'm like yeah there's poverty and yeah there's exploitation but like fucking hell this is this rules I love that you said that because did you pick up this scene because I didn't pick it up the first time I watched it but I picked up the lines the second time so it's when uh, when Fontaine has been shot and they're decanting a new Fontaine. And it's the two white guys with afros are, are yeah. going in to get him. This is their dialogue. So no salt, no pepper, nothing? Nope. Just the natural flavors of the chicken. Boiling it really brings it out. Right on, yeah. brother. <laughs> yeah. 
blandness of it's such a great yeah, 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 yeah. back at that yeah, yeah. whole section i was cracking up at just totally <laughs> Cause, because it's so good at, at, it's so chicken. good because the Glenn because it's so funny because despite they're, they're basically the film is kind of showing you that despite the fact that the Glenn has been under this insane oppression it's still a better place to live <laughs> because of all this other stuff like it basically gives it does a really good job of showing how it's like what's good yeah you know? and a lot of it is the people I actually wrote those two people because another conversation they had was a badminton chit chat. Oh, I Again, didn't hear that. Like they were, they were t- discussing a shuttlecock. No. Again, like badminton. Yeah, they were like discussing oh badminton. It's like another thing. Like, oh, this is just, <laughs> this is very damning. Um. Okay. So I, I just have, I have like, I have so many more things, but I feel like we kind of need so to get, start getting into it. Um, I know. So, so the maybe pimp we should cavalry. Pimp huh? cavalry. That was it. Yeah. That was a, the phrase they use about the pimp cavalry. Oh yeah, like oh, amazing! I yeah. do want to oh, say, oh, yeah, okay. moving so moving much. into yeah. So so what we can do is like let, let's just move on, and then what if you've got anything left over by the time we get to the end, we'll come back to it. But moving into okay. the themes, I do think that um, I don't really want to say too much about the themes, uh, but I do want to say that. So I found this other clip from. Uh, what do, this because there's not too much information out there right now about the movie because like I said because of sag after stuff that's going on they're not allowed to promote it but I did find this interview with Jewel Taylor and he said he just talks about where the story came from and he says the actual story didn't come until I figured out the character of Fontaine in 2016 I reconnected with a friend from college he had gotten arrested for something when we were 18 or 19 that ended up changing the course of his life I had always been a little bit critical of him because I thought he had so much potential. But in this conversation, he revealed that he had been dealing with depression. He just didn't know how to tell anybody back then. It completely changed my perspective. I started thinking a lot about blame and responsibility and that's when all the elements of the movie came together. A guy is having an identity crisis and he has to overcome circumstances that are genuinely beyond his control. So that's kind of where we're going generally with the theme. And like, look, we know mm-hmm. any good sci-fi uses science fiction as a vehicle for social commentary. That's the whole point mm-hmm. of science fiction. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is perfect. I mean, mind control experimentation and clones is a way to keep people under the control of the powerful in society. And this one scene in the movie that I think really just highlights the entire theme of the movie is that scene with Kiefer Sutherland's character when he says Olympia Black and that moment of them being completely under the control and the power of the white man and it doesn't matter what they do they cannot change it and that seems mm-hmm. to be like the the restrictive feeling of the of oppression that is going on in terms of systemic racism and i just think that mm-hmm. that scene i found that scene very powerful when you had all these black people standing there unable to move because of this one fucking man yeah, and that somehow, like, all the cornerstones, all, all the things that the black community has as cornerstones, somehow white people are profiting from as well. Yeah. Like, hair products, music. You know, like, the, the, that reality that somehow someone is profiting from these things that black people claim as their own identity. Yeah. Making it, you know, is it's a very, it's a very disturbing very real idea 
that honestly, I wish they got a little more into, but I suppose it's enough to just say it and then Mm. let us sort of talk about it. And then maybe there can be a follow on in the culture, maybe other with other things, but it's enough to just say this idea and maybe allow people to talk about it on their own and not to be so not to yeah. shove it down our throat so much. But, but the, yeah, the suggestion is very disturbing. It's like all of this is very lie, but that suggestion that it is white companies like rolling out black hair straightening products is so uncomfortable mm. um, and it really makes your skin crawl. It really makes you think, like, who's and, benefiting from this? And it is that whole thing. I, I read I read a bit as well about um, – I think – I can't remember what it was. I, found, I did find an article that somebody had wrote um, – about some of the things that were coming up, some of the, just some things that they'd picked out about the movie. And one of the, one of the things was that it was a whole, the whole pushing the hair products uh, as a way to show that like, because, you know, sleeker, straighter is better instead of like mm. natural hair. And it's just like, and it also, uh, something that I love actually as well is how, how they highlight the lack of understanding as well within like the white community about certain aspects of black culture and, and black, um, blackness is uh when they when they put the permacare on her and they put it on her weave Mm, (laughs) such a great scene (laughs) she takes the weave off and she's like goofy motherfuckers (laughs) it's so good yeah yeah the hair thing is uh, such an interesting topic yeah there's a lot yeah i'm just excited to see more and more films and books just reaching everybody about sort of black experience especially Mm. hair being a huge one um, and also like the strong opinions white people have over black people's hair it's crazy yeah. even if it's like you should be natural that looks so good it's like that. even that opinion is like yeah I, it's like it. anyone who ever like wants to if you want to pick out an opinion like that it's basically you're, you're trying to highlight something of your own discomfort in how you kind of I don't know it's it's kind of almost like going oh I recognize that there is this like racism towards your hair so now I'm going to overly highlight your hair in mm-hmm. in this way instead of just being like why the fuck are you talking about somebody's hair just fucking leave, know, him, alone. leave him alone <laughs> like, yeah 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 I know but I did I did love that she had to pull it off and she was uh, that that yeah. was so that was, was really so good. funny was really and then clever. she does the rest of the movie in her braids um there's so much in there, you know. That's There's why I so love it. There's much. so much yeah. in there, but it but it doesn't drum at home at all, except mm. for a bit at the end. But yeah, yeah, no, we'll, really we'll good, so, really good, subtle. Okay, so let's move into tropes then. Um, mm-hmm. How how were you? So yeah, so I find it really hard with satire because like I always feel like most of the tropes are on purpose, but I did pick out two things. I picked out two that went on. Pur- I don't think they were on purpose okay. at all. Uh, should I go? Yeah, go. One was lotions and potions with an addendum, though, yeah. because they were obviously they go into the lab, lotions and potions. I did appreciate that the potions were on a shaker, you know, because because chemistry labs are like that. You have yeah. all sorts of things moving around. They're, the first time I walked into a chemistry lab, I was like, "Ooh, this is so fun! <laughs> this is like being an amusement park compared to a physics laboratory. Everything's like da 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 da." So I, I, even though there was a tropiness to the lotions, it was accurate in the sense that they were on a tray that was moving. That is, yeah. that was great. So it was a trope, but. Um, okay, so one of my ones was a memory download. Obviously, because this always comes up whenever yeah. we do clone sci-fi. There's always memory download because like, how else are you going to do it? But we'll talk about it a little bit more in a while. But like, I was just like, yeah, there we go. Memory download. 
sci-fi Of course. Trope. It's like you may as well just do the way everybody else yeah. has done it in films. <laughs> yeah. What was your second one? That one key card gets in everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they have the one key card that gets in there, but obviously that also gets into the top secret clone thing. Like, why would people yeah, that are just. The, the luck that you got that also... one. <laughs> the the, the yeah, drivers of yeah. the truck had the one key card that gets you in every single. Top yeah, delivery place. man could also get into the clone growing place. Yeah, yeah. that is. Yeah. Uh, speaking of clones, my second one was clones fighting each other because is it even a clone movie if you don't have two copies of a clone fighting each other? Like, <laughs> what's the point? And on that note, <laughs> do you know how many movies we've done recently with doubles? Just the sheer... Oh. Because we had three movies that we did just, like quickly where people even had sex with doubles. Like there was... Pluto Sorry. Nash. I just want to say that I just edited the Rollerball episode where we talk about this. Rollerball, Pluto Nash, and there was one other one where there was the doubles. Uh, well, I can't remember what it was. But Banzai had the twins. Yeah. Baby Geniuses has a doubles. <laughs> and here is doubles. I'm like, what? What's up with us? We fi- we do this. We, fi- we But there's it's, just it doubles. It was unintentional. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it happened, but it's just, I'm doubled out, I tell you what. Okay. Well, speaking of being doubled out, shall we get into the science of cloning then? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Okay, oh, so I, Yang. I am sure you are dying to know how to get a clone, aren't you? Um, We've talked about this. Oh, sorry. I just got, oh. I just got my low power notice. We're okay. We're okay. Oh. We can do this. Um. Now, we've talked about this before, many times before, between Moon, Jurassic Park, uh, a bit from Blade Runner 2049. Uh, So I've pulled the science that I covered from those movies into a bit of a cloning summary. So here it goes. Mm -hmm. Cloning absolutely is possible. Dolly the sheep proved that. There are three main types of cloning. We have gene cloning, which is copies of genes or segments of DNA. We have reproductive cloning, which is copies of whole animals. And we have therapeutic cloning, which is embryonic stem cells for medical use. Now, gene cloning is more like what happens in Jurassic Park, where they're implanting copies of genes or DNA segments to fill in the gaps and recreate the dinosaurs. Um, In They Clone Tyrone, we kind of have to be talking about reproductive cloning, where they make whole copies of Tyrone. um, And this is how Dolly the Sheep was cloned. There are two ways to do this. First, we have embryo twinning. This is where an embryo is split in half with each one placed in a uterus where it grows into two separate animals that share the same genes. Then we have what's called somatic cell nuclear transfer. Somatic cells are all the cells that make up an organism and they contain the full sets of chromosomes. To use them, you have to first remove the nucleus and any DNA from an egg cell and then transfer the somatic cell from the animal that you want to clone into the egg cell. The egg cell will then develop into an embryo containing the donor genes instead of the original genes. The embryo is then implanted into a uterus and grown. Now, it's possible to do this part artificially. We've talked about this before. There's research looking at artificial gestation as a way to support reproduction for people who cannot physically carry a fetus to term. And this was demonstrated back in 2017 with the bio bag carrying lamb fetuses to full term successfully. 
I think this is mostly what we talked about in Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. Um, so the concept of cloning an animal is well established and has been achieved with Dolly the sheep. And there's a process and a method that works to achieve reproductive cloning. And there are methods in development that would allow for a clone to be carried to term in an artificial womb. Cloning humans, though, <laughs> aside from the ethical questions it raises, it's also way more complicated. This is because we, along with other primates, have something that's called spindle proteins. And these are essential to cell division. So in other animals, they're spread out in the egg. So the act of replacing the nucleus with the donor genes is okay. You can totally do that. But for us, the spindle proteins are very close to the chromosomes that are in the original egg. So trying to separate the chromosomes to remove them in order to then replace them with donor genes uh, tends to also remove the spindle proteins, which then interferes with cell division. So cloning humans becomes much more complicated. Um, So basically there won't be any human clones anytime soon. How are we doing so far? Pretty good. I saw an article that somebody had a womb transplant and was able to carry a fetus to full (gasps) term. Yeah, I saw that recently as well. Duh. Yeah. That's it. That is intense. That I was know. quite sweet, actually. I think it was sisters, wasn't it? And the one sister had she had two children already, and her her other sister, um, had since birth she had some issue where she was never going to be able to have children. That's quite sweet. Mm. I think that was a lovely story. Oh, actually. Nice. Mm. Okay, so another topic that relates to cloning is the question of consciousness and memory. So in terms of consciousness, it's a tricky one to try to give like a scientific basis for it because we don't actually yet have a way to describe ourselves what consciousness actually is. Okay, so if you create a biological replica and then you bring it to life, uh, we can maybe say that the brain might work in the same way. Uh, They might be likely to have similar thoughts or interactions with the world, but would they be the same person? They can't be, right? They have separate consciousness from the original, even from the other clones. Um, Mm -hmm. So for a clone to be conscious immediately creates an individual who would be distinct from the original. A really good representation of this is the um, TV show Orphan Black. Um, Mm. So the only way to have them repeat or follow the same patterns as the original would be to control their environment. Aha. We're getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can take it that each clone is the capacity for consciousness, but could they have the consciousness of the original, the same memories that leads to a specific personality? I understand. No, no way. There's no, no way. Yeah. There's like, no way. I'm thinking about Jeff Goldblum with the drop of water, the chaos yeah. theory. You put a drop of water and it's like, even if it's exactly the same hand, it'll take a different path. Yeah. It's, so, so that's the thing, right? Now, we have talked about this before when we go back to like ideas centered around AI, where we've said that like it seems that there's nothing within the laws of physics that says you wouldn't be able to upload a consciousness to a computer. But replicating a consciousness in another biological brain and retaining the memories of the original is an entirely different fucking story. Um, and they ha- they don't show anything in the movie to indicate that there's any sort of um, AI-centered brain or anything like that. Like, they, they mm-hmm. attach these, like, little electrode things and then it's like... Oh. 
here's your memory upload. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... Well, they have the one with the eyes, the clockwork orange yeah. eyes one. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, so... Oh, but but yeah, it seems like they're just that's different. That's it. that's exper- that's experimentation stuff. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But oh, when when okay, they that wasn't decant the Tyrone, uh, Ty- I keep saying yes. Tyrone because it's the fucking movie. But Fontaine, when they decant Fontaine, Fontaine. yeah, they they attach little things to his head, which is supposed to be them uploading like Fontaine yeah. to his to his brain which like we know that's just pure science fiction um there's nothing yeah, in like it he wouldn't he, he wouldn't have the same juice he wouldn't no. like that makes no sense at all he wouldn't get up and do the same things that the other person did he'd get up like the guy in moon got up and be like what eh? is going on yeah yeah that's the thing like because memories are a result of interactions between neurons and the brain and they're influenced by many factors which also include experiences emotions and the environment so like this idea that you would be able to transfer memories just just doesn't it does not work uh but let's take it for the purpose of science fiction cloning memories is possible um they're created as exact copies but the copy would need to have the memory of the original only at the moment of cloning, right? But since each clone has an individual consciousness, their personal experiences will cause them to form new memories and different outlooks on the world. So when they die, so do the memories of their unique life. Yes. Which doesn't exactly fit with the way it's depicted in the movie because like, he doesn't remember dying, but he does remember like up to what point exactly? Like when they upload it, like when, when he wakes up, what what was yesterday to him? We never know the answer to that. That's interesting. No, no, he he knows he was there the night before. Like it seemed like when he came in there, he he knew what was there that he was there the night before. Did I he? I didn't think so. Is it ambiguous? Because that's true. That that, that no no no. He didn't know he memory. was there the night before oh. because that's why they had to go get Yo Yo to say you were here already you came last night and he's like what are you doing you're talking like so yeah so that's the thing for me i'm like i what they leave that as you said ambiguous they leave that very ambiguous as to what part of the story we've entered like where what how many Mm. times has fontaine been decanted how many times has slick charles been decanted like all this kind of stuff and you're just like we we don't know but i did find it interesting how he was able to be killed and Charles will retain the memory that he was dead and then have Fontaine turn up. So it seems almost like something went wrong. That they all knew that he died. Yeah. They shouldn't have known. They should have somehow had a modification. Yeah. But but then again, because their lives are so like crazy they would be like, oh, I don't know, whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Maybe they'd be more willing to just ignore it. But no, Isaac fully shot him. Yeah. He actually shot him. By the way, that shooting scene was very matter-of-fact. I love how matter-of-fact it was. It's very unsentimental. Oh, like, it was boom, boom. so... That moment with him where he's sitting in the car just before and mm. he knows what's about to happen and he's trying to psych himself up. You know, he's giving himself a moment to just... And then he just opens the door and he goes out and he just gets shot immediately. But it's such yeah. a like uh, that was such a I don't even know how I don't I don't have words for it but I was just I was affected, that's my mm. word. Um, okay, so in terms of the cloning thing, uh, like look, I, in general, I'm not bothered by this idea of any inaccuracy in terms of memory downloads or any stuff like that because they don't they do the thing that we love they don't attempt to explain the science. I'm just enjoying the speculation. 
yeah. kind of what they was going the on. They use the trope. They depend yeah. on the film trope of all seen it enough that we know what it is. Yeah. So that's just that's just an interesting thing. They're not bothering to get into that. Yeah. They just know that the audience knows what it is. Yeah. So in terms of cloning summary aspect to it, um, they clone Tyrone using reproductive cloning by collecting the somatic cells from the original Tyrone, whoever the fuck that is, uh, using them to create an embryo and planting it into an artificial womb, allowing the clone to grow to the required age, approximately 31 years old, implanting the memories to form the clone's personality and then placing them in the classic cryogenic stasis until they are required for the events of the movie when they are decanted which i'm obsessed mm-hmm. with the fact that they keep saying decanting i don't know what the significance of it is i just love it decanting yeah whatever oh speaking of the clone room yeah i love the clone room so much yeah it was a room with clones i i, I, didn't like, feel I thought it was cool special yeah it was cool yeah i don't i think do you think that there was something so... But they were breaking in with the costume and going through. There was something so, like, Star Wars yeah. about it. Yeah, I was really getting the vibes. Yeah, I felt it like... It was super Star Wars. I was, was like, they've stolen the Stormtrooper costume outfits and yeah. they're, yeah, moving around the ship. It was absolutely Star yeah. Wars. Clone Wars. It was it was Star Wars clones. It was, 100%. It was very much an ode to many other science fiction things. Like, yeah. it wasn't very much trying to do a new thing because it wasn't really the point of the film. No. It was just making tributes. But I, but I in this case, I appreciate the tributes because sometimes tributes can be really dorky you know they're just trying to be like i'm referencing this i'm so cool but this was just efficient yeah it was just efficient yeah. <laughs> like yeah and no, i really liked the efficiency of using other film references to be like yeah. it's clones it's memories you get it good this is not the point of the film <laughs> but the consciousness well, thing is interesting to me what consciousness oh yeah, is because because yeah. to me consciousness is an emergent property of being alive yeah. for x time you know, we've discussed this before, the very fact of being alive with your senses and your body in the world over time, you because our, we're so complex, we just emerges a feeling of consciousness, yeah. which is and it's just to do with the complexity of our brains and racking up experiences. At some point, we're like, you know, when babies have a point where they look at their they, they realize they have hands at some point. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they hands, they stop and they're just like, what are these mine? <laughs> And we we these we're like I think this is me. <laughs> I think these are my hands. You see the cogs turning when yeah. when babies some realize come into realization that I think that's me, and I think it's just it just happens slowly, and then yeah. you know whatever you want to call it, our soul, our yeah, spirit. I mean, so therefore you can't inject that into a clone. It's not possible. Yeah, I I think all these ideas and. I mean, this is this is definitely for a different movie chat. This concept mm-hmm. of consciousness, because I do think consciousness is a it's a really interesting topic, and I find it very frustrating sometimes talking about it because we we lead into this whole quantum thing and the idea of um, people's confusion about oh, like that that consciousness is uh, quantum theories. <laughs> I don't want to give it any airtime right now, <laughs> but um, but yeah. Anyway, let's let's move on because I want to get into the meat of the science section because yes. Frida. <laughs> if I say MK Ultra, what does that mean to you? That is very familiar. <laughs> what is that? Well, I will tell you. <laughs> now, okay. 
I'm not going to go too deep on MKUltra because it is so detailed, but I will recommend before I do this um, that there is a four-part podcast on Behind the Bastards with Robert Evans. So if you want to know the whole story around MKUltra, then I recommend that podcast. But here's a brief summary. Now, MKUltra was a CIA project that ran officially from 1953 to 1973. The aim, to identify and develop drugs and procedures that could be used in interrogations to weaken the individual and force confessions through mind control. MKUltra researchers used various methodologies to manipulate people's mental states and alter brain functions, including the surreptitious administration of drugs, especially LSD and other chemicals, uh, electroshock therapy, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation and verbal and sexual abuse. This all happened during the Cold War period when America was very paranoid about the Soviet Union. They believed that the Soviets were developing mind control drugs and truth serums, and so they figured they'd do the same. It's important to note here that the Soviets were not. (laughs) They were definitely experimenting with drugs and how they could be used, but not in any way to the level that the CIA program worked. So, is this now familiar to you? Yes, now it's familiar to me. And we must have brought it up in a few bits and pieces. Yeah. I've just never gone to the level of it. I knew that this movie was massive MKUltra references, uh, but I just never really, like, it was just stuff. We talked about it, I think we talked a little bit, definitely about, like, some of the experimentations that they did during World War II in terms of uh, drugs that they gave to soldiers. Um, And we've talked a bit about, like, the concept of truth serum and just the wild things that, like, some uh, that get... Worked on projects they worked on by particularly the US military and stuff. But what's an interesting aspect of the whole MK Ultra program is because it started in 53, this was just after the Manhattan Project. So while we might think like the concept of mind control is like insane, uh, they yeah. genuinely believed they were just doing the next Manhattan Project, that this was the next thing in defense and they were going to figure it out. And if they just threw all this money at it, they would have another, you know, Manhattan project. So it's a, it's wild. (laughs) It is wild. It is wild. Yeah. Probably comes from a total failure to like grasp physics as well, because it seems like magic. She's like, well, yeah. that's possible. Then how, well, this must be possible. There's no distinction anymore because it just seems so magical. It's really, right. So let's let's get into some of the stuff here, right? So basically in, 19, in the 1970s, the project became the focus of public outrage and various investigations um, happened after it came to light. Uh, because this is when people realized that unsuspecting Americans were being used as test subjects. And it culminated in the Church Committee and the Rockefeller Commission, both of which uh, investigated the activities of the CIA and MKUltra specifically. But the full extent of MKUltra and the specifics of many experiments will never be known because the CIA director, Richard Helms, ordered all MKUltra files destroyed in 1973. Now, some records were discovered in 1977 and some other people who were connected, like... Uh, who weren't specifically within the CIA, they still had some records. So I think I think what the podcast said was that they overall they had like eight thousand files. So everything that we know about MKUltra came from those files that were missed in the destroying of files. So everything that we know happened, Holy all these shit. horrible, terrible things that we know happened, 
are just the ones that they didn't realize they hadn't destroyed. So who the fuck knows what actually happened in all the shit that was actually destroyed from a 20... And it's not just a 20-year experiment because it was only officially commissioned in 1953, but it had been running for years before that, just under different project names. So it's fucking crazy. Um... So here's what we do know happened as a result of of the documents that were available. The initial aim was to make assassination poisons, suicide drugs, defensive bioweapons and LSD. In 1949, they conducted a mock bacteria attack on the Pentagon and found that half the people would have been affected if it happened for real. But they wanted to find out what would happen if the Soviets were to deploy a bioweapon on a city. So they did it themselves. You can't make this shit up. It was called Operation Sea Spray and they shot clouds of aerosolized harmless bacteria on unsuspecting public in San Francisco. They found that it spread beyond the city, but also turns out, surprise, surprise, some people were actually vulnerable to this harmless bacteria that they fucking used because you can't guarantee that every single fucking person is not, is going to be immune to whatever you deem harmless. So uh, people were um, affected, people died. And this was not the first or the last time that the CIA used bioweapons on the American people just to see what would happen. <laughs> like, this shit is crazy. That's um, crazy. So meanwhile, while they're doing this, the Soviets were actually focused on psychic research. <laughs> Oh my god, this is so crazy. What the <laughs> fuck? But like this it's listen, funny. this is okay, right. What what the Soviets figured was they thought that they figured that thoughts were physical and that the result that they were the result of electromagnetic waves in the brain and so that they could probably be altered. It like it sounds crazy, but they were genuinely trying to see if brain waves worked like radio waves. So when you kind of put it in that context, it's like, it's not actually that crazy, but like, it, you know, it's pretty quick to realize that's not a, a thing and move on. Uh, but that's yeah. what the Soviets were doing. Um, meanwhile, the US <laughs> are like, hey, mind altering drugs, specifically ways to control an individual's behavior. Let's do it. One method that they were interested in, Frida, was something called depatterning. Have you heard of depatterning? You probably Pattern. don't want to hear it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Okay. Depatterning was a psychiatric treatment that involved intensive electroconvulsive therapy combined with Ugh. prolonged periods of drug induced sleep. It was developed Ugh. by Dr. Ewan Cameron, who was a psychiatrist at the Allen Memorial Institute in Montreal in Canada during the 1950s and the 1960s. Now, he was viewed as one of the top psychiatrists in the world and the work was funded by the MK Ultra Project. Fucking psychiatry. I know. The premise behind depatterning <laughs> was that severe psychiatric illnesses such as schizophrenia were caused by faulty thought patterns. So Dr. Cameron believed that by erasing these patterns, he could then rebuild a patient's personality without the psychiatric um, symptoms. This process of erasing was achieved using a combination of electroconvulsive therapy and drugs. The procedure- Just fucking them up so badly. Oh, it's, it's insane. This is the procedure of depatterning. So patients would receive electroconvulsive therapy treatments in much larger doses and frequencies than standard protocols. So like 30 to 40 times the normal power. This was often administered multiple times a day for several days. They then work uh, after the ECT sessions, they were placed in drug induced sleep for prolonged periods, sometimes up to weeks. 
Uh, this was achieved using a combination of sedatives and hypnotic drugs. Um, and then along with the, those two treatments, patients were sometimes administered hallucinogenic drugs like LSD to further the depatroning process. Now, while he claimed that it was supposed to be about treating uh, illnesses like schizophrenia and it was supposed to be about, you know, like re rebuilding a patient's personality, most of the patients that this was used on were just people with minor issues. We're talking anxiety and postpartum depression. Like, there was a woman that went in because she was so anxious about her pregnancy because I think she had a bad pregnancy and lost her baby and then she went in because she was nervous about her new pregnancy. So she had anxiety. He, he did this to her. He, he literally did this to this fucking woman up until she was eight months pregnant. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, what's interesting here as well is that this research had two aims. Number one, break the mind. Number two, replace it with a new personality. So they broke the mind, but just could never really figure out how to do step two. Um, so many of the patients had lifelong issues as a result of this treatment and the CIA and the Canadian government have both set lawsuits out of court on the condition that they not admit any culpability because they're fucking assholes. So that's uh, that's that's that aspect. So, so far we've got uh, conducting experiments on an unsuspecting population check. We've got trying to break your mind and change your personality. Shall we talk about Sidney Gottlieb? Oh my god. Sidney Gottlieb was like a good Wait, wait. Go on. Just the jump from the Manhattan Project to like experimenting on people. Yeah. It's like, th that's the thing that's like. Oh, they did not give a fuck. Like the. For the greater people. good. This was because of that. This is the whole, like, what the McCarthyism era, the whole. Uh, like red, um, oh, what was it called? Red, I can't remember the the whole thing where they started like everyone was a communist. Yeah, it was red something, red fever, red. Whatever. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it's like the the whole government seemed to have just gone like Soviets are the enemy. We must do absolutely anything, and it's just like yeah. I don't think that that's what was going on. I think you were just letting people just do whatever the fuck they wanted. And but the Soviet paranoia on both yeah. sides, the paranoia on both sides led to people doing, even though it was a cold war, it was just more secret. Yeah. The shit that people did uh, in the name of the greater good, I think we'll never really know the extent yeah. of it. We won't. It's, it's wild. And like, so... Uh, let's have a chat about this in a second, but let's let's just talk about Sidney Gottlieb before. Um, okay. So Sidney Gottlieb was the actual scientist in charge of MK Ultra. He was a chemist, and um, he had a love of randomly spiking people with LSD. I mean, randomly spiking people in bars, on the street, in the Pentagon, in the CIA, just blah, just to see what would happen. Um. In 1953, Alan Dulles, who was the head of the CIA, made a speech where he said, communist spies are out to play the American mind like a phonograph. He formally launched MKUltra under the direction of Gottlieb, gave him 6% of the total operational budget of the CIA and no requirements for accounting or oversight. Nobody knew what they were doing. Gottlieb had total control. He gave it the title Ultra because it was the most secret thing in the US government and because he's obviously an ass. Some of the shit that Gottlieb got up to is absolutely wild. 
Now, he was particularly interested in the potential of LSD as a mind control drug. So under MKUltra, LSD was administered. Sorry, uh, I'm at 10%. Okay. So under MKUltra, LSD was administered, often without consent, to various subjects, including government agents, soldiers, and even civilians, to study its effects. It got so bad that the CIA themselves sent a memo to everyone to not drink from the Christmas party punch bowl because there was a high chance of it being spiked. Gottlieb visited black sites around the world, basically prisoner camps from after World War II that were under US control, and used the prisoners as test subjects, killing hundreds of people at each site. He would use tactics that he claimed were truth serums to force people to admit to being communists and then they would be killed for being communists. <laughs> like, it's insane. There is so much more to this. They had this, in, they literally had a project under this called Operation Midnight Climax where they actually had brothels of prostitutes that would lure men in and then would drug the men so that they could observe the effects of LSD on the men. Like, this this is shit that they actually did. Um, there's so much to it. I cannot actually go into any more detail about MKUltra uh, because it's just, it's too much. Um, but the point is that the US government were not opposed to experimenting on the American people or any people that they could control. Their aim was to alter the mind of a person, whether to create a Manchurian candidate or to deprogram suspected spies was what they thought they were trying to do um what are your thoughts i don't know what's there to say it's mm. insane and it's so stupid and the whole communism paranoia is also fucking stupid too yeah it's so dumb and it's, it's embarrassing it's why like this gottlieb guy he was viewed as like a hippie he was supposed to be like this really nice kind of guy and he lived on a farm with his family and he was a hippie and it's like well yeah because he was out of his fucking mind on lsd and then you just gave him a ton of money and told him he was doing his like patriotic duty so yeah go drug people and make them say shit it's just like mm -hmm. there's a movie called climax by the french director asshole Gaspar Noé <laughs> fucking hate him okay <laughs> he hates everybody and this movie it starts off with the best dance sequence ever and I was like oh my god I love his dance <laughs> sequence I was like it's so fun oh my god <laughs> and it basically the, the thing is like it's the dancers are having like a party because they're like finished their rehearsals and somebody spikes she oh, gone. sorry, sorry, sorry. Go on. Anyway, no, they spike the punch bowl with LSD and it just sends into like a full-on horror film because spiking yeah. somebody is crazy. If they know that they're getting high, like they know that's oh, different. Consent yeah. is everything when it comes to drugs. This it's is a the terrible thing. thing to do to somebody. It's also not, it's not the real effect. Like no. unknowingly having drugs in your system and knowingly having drugs in your system is completely different. And the fact that they just did it and thinking that that was science is so embarrassing oh there was so no control to it there was no like they just uh, one guy he was out in a cafe and they were like oh come over to this pub with us and then he just put lsd in this guy's drink and then they just let him walk off like it doesn't sound like this guy was an actual scientist who was trying to conduct any controlled experiments to learn anything yeah. it sounded like he just got off on fucking lacing people with LSD and just seeing what would happen to them. It's yeah. 
It sounds horrific. And this guy was allowed to do this for 20 years, Frida. 20 fucking years. It's insane. Wow. So yeah, so the whole the whole concept of this um using using some uh drugs secretly secreted like uh spiking people to try to control their minds is a very 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 American thing. So the movie got that very right. Um oh. before we go into the last section, I just want to quickly bring up one other thing which is this is not fun. Okay. Have you ever heard of the Tuskegee syphilis study? No. Okay. Between 1932 and 1972, the United States Public Health Service conducted a study in Tuskegee, Alabama. The study was designed to observe the natural progression of untreated syphilis in black men. The subjects believed that they were receiving free health care from the U.S. government. The study involved 600 black men, 399 with syphilis and 201 who did not have the disease. The men were told they were being treated for bad blood, which was a local term that referred to the various ailments, including syphilis and uh, anemia and fatigue. The subjects were not told they had syphilis and were not given informed consent regarding the nature of the study. Even after penicillin was recognised as an effective cure for syphilis in the 1940s, researchers did not offer it to the subjects. Why? Because they wanted to see what would happen as the disease progressed. Many men died of syphilis during the study, while others passed the disease on to their wives. Some of them to their children. Uh, some of their children were born with congenital syphilis. Did they feel bad about the men who died? Did they fuck? They thought it was a great opportunity to do an autopsy and learn more about the disease. The study was exposed in 1972 by Jean Heller, a reporter for the Associated Press, and following the public outrage, the study was immediately terminated. The US government formally apologised to the Tuskegee study, uh, for the Tuskegee study in 1997, 20 fucking five years later. Um, as a result of the study and other medical scandals, there was a push for stricter ethical guidelines and human research leading to the establishment of institutional review boards. Um, but it has, of course, left a lasting impact on the African-American community's trust in the US medical community. Like, of course it fucking... Like, 40 fucking years. They literally... So, again, look, I first heard about this on another podcast um, called American Scandal, okay? It's series eight and I highly, highly, highly recommend listening to the full four-part series. It's been a long time since I listened to it, but I kept thinking about it when I was watching this movie about like that time period when they did that. Like they literally, when you listen to this and you listen to the reports, like the these reports are public record of the conversations that they had about how they felt it was perfectly ethical to not tell these people that they had syphilis, to not tell them that there was a treatment for it, to not offer them the treatment for it, because they thought it was more interesting to see what happened when the treatment prog- when the uh, disease progressed. They wanted to see what happened uh, up to death. They wanted to see what happened to the body after death. They just let these people die. It's so really important these stories because that their distrust of the African American community in the government, well, the black community in the government, is a really important thing to like have awareness yeah. around. Really important. Like these are fucked extreme stories yeah. that, of course, it would sow seeds of distrust in the government. 
this is not a story that I ever would have heard about like and and it's weird to me that I even started listening to this podcast American Scandal because I'm like I'm not American I know nothing about America so I was like I don't know what this is Uh, but oh my god like there's just it's like you said it's just it's important to know that these things happen it's important to be aware of them it's important to highlight them it's important to say this is fucked up that (laughs) these were allowed people not even just allowed to do but allowed to go for such a long time yeah and then people fully deny institutional racism exists so that's what I like there's this element that people and also the fact that they're like the critical race theory you know lessons Mm. in American schools and people no no like this needs to be taught it needs to have a subject so people can actually teach that the institutional racism is very real policy all these kinds of things that went on and also also I hate that bullshit of um of the pol- formal apology for the government. Give me a break. Oh, I'm so tired of 20, that. I'm so, so tired of that. Right? It, it stops in 1972, it, not because they realise this is completely unethical, completely horrific thing to do, and it should not be happening. No, no, no. It stopped because people found out it was happening and went, what the fuck are you doing? And they went, uh-oh, we better stop. And then it took 25 yeah. years to go, hey, that was bad, sorry. It's just like, yeah, of course it, you're it, not going to fucking trust people like that. Yeah. And it's and it's some like progressive government who's like, we're sorry. And he gets like points. And yeah. that's bullshit too. Yeah. The points that you get for like apologizing. Like yeah. we acknowledge we're sorry. And you get your dumb woke points. Give me a break. Yeah. What you need, you need to tell the truth and educate people. That's yeah. what people need to know. That's that's you have to educate so that so that people understand. Also, black people understand the history of their own community. They can understand where they've come from. They can understand the the mood in their own community, the feeling in their own community. Yeah, to know who they are and how it's been affected. That's what that's, matters. Is is the truth. That's interesting that you say that because uh, like that brings us into the last the last bit to bring up really. Okay, because. It turns out towards the end of the movie that the reason the Glen is being dosed with mind control drugs is to keep the people in a control group while they work on generational breeding. Original Mm. Fontaine is the scientist in charge. So in response to the racially motivated murder of his younger brother, he decided to assimilate rather than be annihilated. Uh, He basically Mm -hmm. wants to create peace by whitewashing black people. It's a bit kind of like, if you can't beat them, join them vibe. Now, I don't view original Fontaine as being a bad guy exactly. Like, what he's doing is not good, but you can see how he got there. If you can't change society, change the person so that society can't discriminate against them. That seems to be what his perspective is. He's like, it seems to be that thing where it's like the tiredness of like, I'm tired of fighting against this. I'm tired of losing family members to this. I'm tired of having to... Um, always be kind of held under the thumb so I can make life better for everyone if we can all just look the same because then nobody can discriminate against us. And I can imagine how people could have that that mental viewpoint. Like, I mean, I think people in the LGBTQ plus community have, have dealt with that kind of stuff for years of, you know, I appear straight because, you know, it's it's easier for me if I'm just like, hey, look at me, I'm straight. Yeah, sure, conversion therapy. Ooh, I'll marry a woman, great. And it's like, people want to fit in because it's easier to just fit in with the norm or the people that have the most power and the more, most control because it makes your life easier. But um, that's obviously not the right way to go about what needs to change a society needs to change. We need to stop um, having, mm. we need to stop like, 
the existence of systemic racism. We need to stop allowing people to have all this power and control uh, who just want to mm. hold other people down. But I found it a really interesting concept at the end, this whole assimilation versus annihilation. And, mm. you know, the the two different approaches, the two different ideas mentally of like, um, what's the best way to do this? What's the best way to deal with the, the larger mm. issue? Yeah, it hints at this dark idea of self-hatred that happens when you mm. when you when you deal with that kind of uh, racism uh, and bigotry against you, then you, you you hate yourself for who you are, and that's an interesting idea like to bring up, but it doesn't work, you know. Mm. Like you can pass. It's the idea of passing, you know, like yeah. which is interesting. Which is these are all very very interesting things, um, but it doesn't work. Um, because it's so much deeper than just this. It's not skin deep, unfortunately. Yeah. That's just one part. Passing makes some aspects easier than other people, for sure. But it doesn't take away the problem because it's who you are, you know, and like it's who you are and you not being welcome and you being different. And sometimes when you are hated for who you are it's a complicated thing to adapt to because you can't escape who you are mm. there's nothing you can do because it's who you are that's the crazy thing about that kind of hatred you know when someone is just hated for who they are they can go on a downward spiral like what do i need to do to be accepted and the answer is there's nothing you can do you know yeah there's nothing you can do about it because it's so who you are and like you can look or dress or but the way you are and who you are and the people you come from infiltrates everything about you your language the food you like smells you like like who you are is so deep that you can't escape from it but unfortunately that you see the self-hatred does seep in when you when you're there's so much resistance against the way you are telling you it's all wrong but you can't correct it because we aren't just the way we act. We're, we're so much more than just how we look, how we act. We yeah. are, you know, gener we come from generations of people. So it's very dark. But that, exactly. But that that's the whole thing, isn't it? It's like his his idea or his solution of this generational breeding being erasing that erasing who you are. You know, you like like you've got the two white guys talking about the the bland flavor of the chicken or the natural flavor mm. of the chicken it's like erasing these aspects of culture that um that define who you are yes and, and just assimilating into this blandness mm. you know it's like yeah. it's a similar like not to i don't want to this isn't it's this isn't something i want to kind of overly bring up or get into but like it was a big thing in um in like the Irish oppression by the by the English was that whole thing about suppressing Irish culture, suppressing uh, our language, suppressing all these language. things about it being like, well, if you want to trade with us, if you want to be able to feed your family, if you want to survive within this uh, society that we're creating in your country, then, you know, you, you've got to get rid of all these things that make you Irish, that make you identifiable mm. as Irish. And it's like just trying to erase a culture and people people will um, rally against that. People will rally against the erasure of their culture because it's like, 
as you said no, it's like no it's who yeah. we are and and you yeah. and we should all be able to celebrate who we are and we should all be able to um, be proud of it and to have it out there in the world and to have other people like learn about it and appreciate it without um, yeah. feeling like you have to suppress any of it because it's going to Beautiful. have a negative impact on you. Yeah, we all need to sh- stop showcases being so beautiful. The com- Sorry, I know the, the movie shows how beautiful the community is, and of mm. course, we don't want to erase any of it. It's a, it reminds me of that because the Japanese, uh, you know, when they started trading with the British, is when they had to take on a lot of those British qualities and suppress a lot of Japanese qualities. Yeah. It's very interesting because the, the way they have such a sexual repression is due to sort of trading with the Japanese and having to put standards those more puritanical or whatever the British version of that is onto the Japanese people in order to invite trade back and forth. Whereas the Japanese people historically, so so much of their art from from previous periods was so sexual and it was more erotic. But now that that it's changed Japanese society so much, there's sexual repression to the point where they have a birth rate issue um and uh, th- th- those things are very interesting the way that an entire culture will try to repress parts of itself in order to appease you know a, a yeah. more powerful society and, but th- but that's um, it yeah. what it is more powerful when you are being oppressed and you and you don't have any choice you're stuck and you're like how how do mm. you it's it's like fight or survive and if you don't have what you would need to be able to fight you assimilate, you assimilate, assimilate to survive, yeah. and that that's kind of what the whole theme of the what the whole movie generally is. is. It's like, are you going to fight for your right to um, break free of the stereotypes and be allowed to move forward and have experiences the same as everyone else? Or are you going to assimilate so that you can just mm. um, exist? Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's I dark as. Yeah, so dark. It's a it's very dark, dark topic. Assimilation versus yeah. being proud is is a, is a something which flips around generation to generation, right? A gener one generation mm. will will say no, we have to assimilate in order to protect ourselves, and then the, the next generation will react and say, "We'll be proud." And then it's like you flip around. You know what's safer, yeah. what's better, what you know, uh, what's worth it, and uh, it's 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 in constant flux. Um, and of course, you know, we're only we're only made better if people's culture can be proud and shine and, you know, it only makes us better. Yeah. So I hope that we can learn that eventually. Um, I think that's a lovely place to leave it um, for They Clone okay. Tyrone. Yep. Great movie. Watch it. Watch it. Everyone watch it. <laughs> watch it. Um, do you have anything else that you want to bring up before we go into What the Fuck? Yep. Um, Denzel. Oh, that was so funny. When he's practicing his line and and Isaac (laughs) and the guy's like, are you like Denzel on his like training day or book of Eli? He's like book of Eli. He's like, let's do it again. That is funny. I miss them in my references. Damn it. That is very funny, and I think that that is the only thing. Amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then. Oh, hang on, hang on. Oh. Hang on, I've got a haircut to go back to. What is it? I've got a haircut. Oh, my God. How did I, I not say this? The barber shop. The st- yes. Sorry. Oh, my oh, God. I've I'm got so a happy haircut you- to oh get back God. to. The, but when, I'll see yeah. you around. The uh, Just the whole. I'll see you around. <laughs> the whole thing. 
the bar. But before even just that, but just the fact that the, when the guys walk in with their barbershop gowns on them, just the whole standoff in the hairdresser and be masculine, but all of them with their barbershop gowns. It was absolute, it was literally a barbershop quartet just walked in to stand off against Fontaine. It was amazing. <laughs> It was very funny. He was trying to be all menacing, but he uh, he wanted to get back to his haircut. Oh, so good. Yeah, that's it. All right. Okay. So it's our time for it's time for what the fuck. What the what the what the fuck. Frida, what is your what the fuck moment? <laughs> Honestly, it was the the reveal at the end because it was I was yeah. I was with them and I was like this is enough this is interesting experimenting on people da, 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 da. like the whole idea of like who is who's doing this like who benefits from our culture other people white people benefit from black culture so interesting I was like oh, I don't know. and then they just went <laughs> they <laughs> like in the last minute they just shoved all this other shit and then lost me completely because I was like ah no. This is too much. This is too many concepts too soon. Like that was, they didn't go deeply into those ideas, as I said. And I was like, that's fine, I guess, because it gives me a lot to think of. And then they like tripled the amount of shit I had to think of, but didn't go into any of it any deeper. And I was like, guys, no. You see, this is too much. I get it, but I think I had a different perspective on it because initially, first off, what I was thinking was that um, it was. Um, he's not the boss original Fontaine isn't the man in charge somebody else is in charge like it's still it's still we know it's still white guy corporation that's in charge hmm. um, Eddie Murphy is in yeah. charge <laughs> oh, it's the uh, have you seen Barbie yet no it's the board of directors of Mattel that's in charge um, so basically I just found it was more a case of that Fontaine, this was the kind of explanation of where the clones came from. It was just more showing that like, and and the reason why, so this isn't something that I feel like I'm equipped to explain right now, but it's one of the reasons why um, it made me think of the Tuskegee uh, syphilis study, because there were quite a number of black doctors involved in that study. And uh, yeah, well, sure. it yeah. was very much a case of it's not that they were in charge. All the white guys were in charge, but they sure. were recruited because it was like, Agents. oh, yeah, it'll make it easier on the it'll make it easier on the patients when they come in to see faces that are familiar. So there was like one one specific black doctor and a nurse um, that knew what was going on, that were aware of what they were doing. Uh, so it kind of showed, but it also, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's more than saying, it's not about saying that like, oh, oh, these people from their own community were doing this to them. It's saying these people were put in this position that they were assimilating. They were assimilating into the white medical community. You know, they were given this job opportunity and they took it. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I felt like concepts. Yeah, I but felt I'm like just there was saying something. Yeah. too much. I know there's stuff there, but yeah. I just think like it loaded way too much on the end that okay. was already enough to think of. No, I'm saying it's all hinting at very real, very dark yeah. stuff. It was just like 
oh, I know, really I know. Necessary. I know. I'm just explaining yeah. that for me when he when it turned out to be him, that's what was running through my mind. So yeah, I wasn't really kind really. of aware of that. Yeah. I was just kind of like, oh, this makes me think of that study, and it was just kind of like, oh, I wonder if they're. So I don't know. It's just mm. where my mind went. Anyway. Yeah. what's your um, what the fuck okay my what the fuck is I love my what the fuck I have to get out my iPad for this right so um, all mm. the posters in the underground lab like so so mine is it's not it's not a negative yeah. thing at all like this is like I just was like this is amazing so there was um, there was uh, sorry I'm just trying to find where I wrote them down so it's there's the tannoy first one they go under there's the tannoy is reciting unity liberty and then something else, and it's bring America together. Um, the oh, the car, yeah, 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 yeah. There's the banner on the car, and it says "Winning the race of the future." Um, it says things. The posters say things like "Build a better society, finish the job strong." <laughs> They're yeah. all like fifty style posters with all these uh, just like motivational shit on them. But um, the final picture, there's this great shot and they do the thing and it goes past and then you get this whole mural and the mural itself is insane. So the mural has unity starts here and then at the end it says winning the race of the future with two American flags and then the symbol with the I, which I think is like an Illuminati reference, which has also been kind of referenced in Conspiracy Theorist MKUltra. Um, and uh, oh, there was another one as well. Oh yeah, striving together towards peace and it's like three white babies and an atom. <laughs> it's just like... Ridiculous. It's just all this stuff, all these posters and every image is all ju- just white people. Like, And it's all about how they're striving for a better future, for unity, for peace. and But it's unity, peace and easy for life sure. for white people. <laughs> it was just for like... Sure. I just I yeah. I was obsessed with all of the symbolism of all of that and I just I didn't have a what the fuck to kind of put in in a but I was just like when I did first see them I was just like what it was just it just kept making me stop and pause and go back and check them and look at the posters <laughs> yeah. yeah just that kind of winning the race of the future is fucking hilarious so yeah that's it that's all I've got brilliant we did it <laughs> yay um so on to final verdicts then, Frida. Did the movie pass the Sam's test? It's interesting, you know. I don't know because there was a. I mean, I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, Ugh. I mean, no, but like she couldn't have been switched out. None of the women could, because yeah. they were both sex workers. But yeah, I guess because no. they were playing stereotypical roles, you kind of couldn't in terms of the three, like. Because because of yeah, the stereotypes that they were portraying, you can't switch out the drug dealer or the pimp or the or the hooker. So like, but they subverted all of their characters within yeah. the framework. You know? Yeah. So they they did a lot of subvert subverting stereotype expectations. So let's skip this one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did it pass the science? Here comes the science. Uh, yeah okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like that it was yeah. like that <laughs> i mean it yeah, does yeah, it okay. does that thing where like we like we've said many times before it does not explain it in any kind of way really it talks about this like what the idea is in terms of the premise of why they're doing it and the whole mind control stuff is yeah. all completely within the realms of um what people have tried to do so <laughs> yes exactly it's not, especially it's not... especially 
they're experimenting on community part like forget yeah. the clones thing the most important part about it is like the fact that people absolutely performed fucked up not even scientifically rigorous not even barely the bare minimum of scientific rigor yeah experiments on people absolutely wild okay so actual final verdict so i said 3.5 <laughs> Five. What about you do? Five. Oh my god, that's so awesome. Absolutely five. I loved this movie so much. I just, yeah. I think everything, I think it's absolutely fantastic science fiction. I loved it. Brilliant. Plus it just made me laugh my ass off both times that I watched it. (laughs) It really just had me. Uh, Um, Let's make a lot of content for this to promote it. All right. Yeah. Cool. So... What is our next movie going to be, Frida? So it's like the bat shit next. And because we're doing all these terrible movies, I just can't. (laughs) I have to like I'm doing I'm going to do a movie that's bat shit, but it's not bad. That's okay. That's okay. I accept. Okay. (laughs) So the one I'm doing, we're going to do being John Malkovich. Oh, that movie is wild. I remember it's been a really long time since I've seen it and I remember watching it and it's it's one of the reasons why I actually just loved John Malkovich it's like I just I just for some reason I just was like I really found it really interesting as well because I was like who is this actor that you know is now suddenly like my favorite actor for the movie but why is it his name it's like yeah okay cool we'll talk yeah yeah okay because it's like respect yeah, that's what I thought we'll be doing. Cool. So it's a batshit crazy movie, but it, it is not a bad one because that's I okay. We take we have many many bad ones. Speaking of, anymore. we have to extend our mini series. Yeah, I know. I know. I've picked I've picked the movies. We'll talk about it another time. Snakes <laughs> on the plane. Yeah, we're gonna do snakes. Can on I the just plane. tell you something so yeah. funny that I was discussing the idea with Raph about uh, my son about you know it's so bad it's good, it's just bad, and he's. <laughs> He he said it's like the joke about what's brown and sticky. A stick. Yeah. He's like, that's a joke that's so bad it's good. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That is totally. That's like the battleship version of a joke. Yeah. That's why I think I think we will do. I think we, we will do Snakes on a Plane because I was like, I need a movie that's just stupid. <laughs> I know. But that we can Anyways. enjoy. Yeah, we'll come back to it. Anyway, okay, so that's it for this week for They Clone Tyrone. Um, join us in two weeks' time for Being John Malkovich. And next week, I do believe our mini soda episode is... Um, Baby geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, bye. Okay, bye.